happens. Well, I'm very glad that you're here for part two of our message series. We're talking about I'm done. There's just certain things in our lives that we can and should just say, I'm done. I'm just done with that. I'm finished with that. No more. That is not going to be a part of my life from this point forward. You know, I'm not going to fall back. I'm not going to regress into that. Uh, I am done. And last week, we started talking about I'm done, but we started talking about I'm done with making excuses. We look at that. We looked at that. If you were not here, you can go online, check it out, download it to podcasts if you follow it uh, that way whatever you do, but I want you to go back and hear that talk if you were not here. I'm done making excuses. Now, by looking at the screen already, you know what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about, I'm done complaining. I am done complaining. Now, listen, you you can't indicate, you can't point, you can't nudge, you can't cut your eyes, but let me just ask you, do you know anybody that complains all the time Do you know anybody that just complains all the time? How many of you know that just wears you out? It just wears you out. There are people that are chronic complainers. They complain about everything. They complain about the weather. No matter what the weather is, it's too hot, too cold, it's too this, too too much uh, humidity, too whatever. But it doesn't stop with the weather. They complain about traffic. They complain about service in restaurants. If they're old, they complain about the younger people. If they're young, they complain about the older people. They complain about their job. They complain about their friends. They complain about the relatives. In fact, some people are here right now, and they They've already started inwardly complaining because we're talking about complaining today. (laughs) They're already complaining. You would think that they consider complaining to be like their primary spiritual gift. Hey, do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Yeah. What's your spiritual gift? Complaining? Primary spiritual gift in my life. God uses it all the time. Well, God's not using it just by the way. Now, the reality is that all of us are tempted to complain from time to time. Wouldn't you agree? all of us. And it's unique the way that our complaints fall. I mean, some people, here's what they'll do. They'll, they'll complain. And I understand this. There's ramifications. I'm not talking about all the nuances, all of the details of all of this, but some people uh, will complain about their job. Everything that they ever say about their job is complaining. While on the other hand, there are people who will complain And again, I'm not chasing all the nuances. I'm speaking in broad general terms, brushes, you know that. But then there, while people are complaining about the job they have, there's people on the other side of the equation that they're complaining because they don't have a job. There are people that complain about, I mean, just all the time, they have way, way, way much, uh, too much to do. Way, way, way too much to do and complain about it all the time. While on the other side uh, of that spectrum are people who complain because they're bored and they don't have anything to do. There are people who complain about relatives that they have. There are relatives that drive them absolutely crazy. While on the other hand, there are people on the other side of that spectrum who complain because they don't have enough time with their relatives. And lots of people view complaining the same way that they view dad. It's just, it's, um, it's normal. Uh, uh, the reason I mentioned that, I listened to uh, 
probably four times a week, sometimes five, a podcast by Dave Ramsey. He's got a lot of podcasts that I like, and, and he's always talking. He's always telling people, you got to treat debt like it's not normal. A lot of people think that debt is normal, and a lot of times we do that with complaining, too. We're just like, hey, complaining is normal. It's what we ought to do. Everybody does it. Everybody can and should participate in it, and complaining, when you think about it, is further justified because complaining is actually found in the Bible frequently. And it shows up early. You know how early complaining shows up in the Bible? You know how early? In Genesis. Very first book. Uh, God used to have this relationship with Adam and Eve, come down, the Bible said, and have fellowship with them in the cool of the day. This, uh, you know, this incredible relationship with Adam and Eve. And, and then they disobey God. And, and God comes calling, and he knows what has happened. And Adam and Eve are hiding in the garden because they know that they have sinned against God. And, and God uh, finds Adam because he's not hard to find when you're God. And he finds Adam, and he's like, what did you do? Man, didn't I tell you that you can eat from any tree in this garden, but not from that? What were you thinking? What were you thinking? Why did you do that? And how do you like Adam's response? What a man. He said, you know, that woman you gave me, she made me do it. And she's complaining. It's like, you know what he's doing? He's complaining not just about Eve. He's complaining about God. He's like, you know, this is how he says it. You know that woman that you gave me. You know, he was complaining. You know, he didn't want to take personal responsibility. He, he had to complain. So it was complaining because Eve caused him to do it, which Eve could not have forced him to do it. And then he complains about God because God gave him Eve in the first place. Now, it, it continues. Obviously... A totally different uh, situation, uh, of course. But Job experienced unbelievable calamities in his life and in his family and his business. And we know that. And his story is a horrific story. And I'm not saying that he, you know, he just uh, had no reason to go off. But uh, I, I picked these uh, verses or this verse, actually, because it just shows a response from Job. He said, I'm disgusted with my life. I'm disgusted. I don't like the way that this has gone. And then he says this. This is interesting. He said, let me complain freely. My bitter soul must complain. I just got to get it out. I got to let it rip. I'm going to have to complain about this. Now, so it starts in Genesis. It continues. But if you want to find a group of people who were like professional complainers, then look no further than the Old Testament Israelites. They are constantly complaining about something. And it's amazing. I mean, I'm not going to take the time because I need to hurry. We've got baptism right after this. So I'm not going to take a lot of time here. But uh, I've mentioned their story to you numerous times, how that God just intervened. Here they were in captivity. Here they were in slavery in Egypt, the hatred of Pharaoh, the way that they were being treated. And it was getting worse and worse by the week, by the month, by the year, just worse and worse and worse. And it was like out of control. And they're crying out to God for deliverance. They're saying, God, help us. And God intervenes powerfully and supernaturally just through a series of these unbelievable miracles. In fact, even parting the Red Sea, getting them through, you know, the sea comes back over the Egyptians. You know that story. And they just keep moving forward. And they're actually headed toward the hope of a new and bountiful place to live that God has already said, hey, I'm not only going to lead you out of this land and out of captivity and out of slavery, I'm going to lead you into a land of milk and honey, a land of hope and promise and vitality. And this is going to be an incredible place for you and your families to take up residence. Wouldn't you think 
that while this is being promised to them, wouldn't you think after all that God had already done for them that they would be filled with praise and gratitude to God because of it? Wouldn't you think that that would happen, right? Wrong. It didn't happen. I want you to look at this. This is Exodus chapter 16. We're going to pick up at verse 2. Look at this. In the desert, the whole community, it's talking about the Israelites, the whole community complained about Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, look at this now, after God had delivered them, this is, this is amazing. The Israelites said to them, if only the Lord had let us die in Egypt. How many of you know that if you were God, you wanted to smack them right then and there? Right then and there. Because God delivered them supernaturally, and they've been crying out to God to do this the whole time. If only the Lord had let us die in Egypt. Why are they saying that? There we sat by our pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. You brought us out into this desert to let us all starve to death. This is what happened. And they're complaining. They're just like going off complaining. And I did this one time when I was studying the Bible because I'd, I'd understood because I'd read about it before. And uh, just the chronic complaining the Israelites. So I can remember it was one of the years I was reading the Bible through. And I just said, I'm going to, when I get to the story of the Israelites, I'm just going to highlight, I'm going to highlight every time it talks about them murmuring or complaining. I'm just, or rebelling or disobeying. I'm just going to highlight that every time the Israelites do that. I'm going to highlight that in my Bible. I think I went through 27 highlighters. At least that's what it felt like. Because they were constantly complaining. John Ortberg has humorously written this, the Israelites devoted more Psalms to complaining than any other single category. Then listen to what he says next. This may be good news for you. Maybe you already know how to complain or would be willing to learn. And so the Israelites, they were known for their complaining, but lest we fall into the trap of thinking that complaining is normal, uh, lest we fall into the trap of thinking where everybody complains all the time about something and is not really that big of a deal. There are a couple of things that we need to consider. And what we need to consider is this, and this is really important. What we need to consider is this, the cost of complaining. And there's a couple of things you may want to write down right here. The cost of complaining. Let me tell you what complaining will cost us. First of all, and this comes right out of the story of the Israelites, complaining offends and hurts the heart of God. Complaining, be sure you get this. This is the cost of complaining. It offends and it hurts the heart of God. Now, if you happen to have kids, you already have a head start of understanding this. What do you do with your kids? You, you, you love your kids. You love your kids. You care about your kids. You provide for your kids. Uh, you, you meet their needs. And then you do that. You love them. You care for them. You provide for them. And then on those occasions where your kids respond by being ungrateful or by whining or complaining, I mean, how does that make you feel? How does that make you? It, it just bothers you. It's disturbing. You want to rip their lips off. <laughs> you just do. Tell God it was an accident. It's what you want to do. And, and, and yet, the reality is, the reason you get angry about it, by the way, this is a whole other talk, and I'll not get into this, obviously, but many times, anger is a result of hurt. So you say, why are they so angry about it? Well, their anger, many times, is a, the net result of the hurt that's going on inside of them. And so we just get angry as parents, but the reality is, we're hurt. We're hurt because we know how much we love them. 
We know how much we've, uh, we've worked diligently to provide for them and care for them. And so when they complain and they're ungrateful, well, you know, if you're a parent, how that makes you feel. Well, look at this. This is uh, Numbers chapter 11, verse 1. Now, the people complained about their hardship. This is still the Israelites. Now, the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. How many of you know anytime you complain, you're in the hearing of the Lord, by the way? In the hearing of the Lord. And when God heard them, his anger. Look at these four words. His anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of their camp. God is offended by this. He, his heart hurts over their complaining. So what is the cost of complaining? First of all, be sure you get it. It, it offends and hurts the heart of God. Secondly, here's the second, second thought concerning the cost of complaining. It brings about numerous consequences and oftentimes serious consequences. Numerous consequences and, and serious consequences. Now, on a practical level, complaining quite often damages relationships. If, if you are complaining all the time, you're just complaining and complaining and complaining all the time, and then you complain that you don't have friends. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Because complaining will damage, it will drive people away. But at a more profound level, I want you to take a look at the consequence associated with the Israelites. Now, keep in mind, they've been doing all of this complaining. Uh, this is uh, Numbers, jumping ahead three chapters, number 14. Uh, numbers uh, 14, I want you to see three verses here. How long, this is God speaking here. How long must I put up with this wicked community? And it's complaints about me. Let's do a timeout right here. Uh, Moses goes to God and says, God, I'm just so tired because these Israelites, they're complaining, you're blessing, you're providing, you're meeting their needs, you're providing miracles, and they're complaining, they're murmuring, they're bickering, just on and on and on. And I'm, I'm just tired of them complaining about me. And, and God says to Moses, Moses, in actuality, they're not complaining about you. They're actually complaining about me. I've heard their complaints about me. Yes, I've heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. Now, you tell them this. As surely as I live, this is God speaking, I will do to you, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. You said it, guess what? You're going to get it. I will do. Now, look at verse 30. Look at verse 30 here. You will not enter and occupy the land I swore to give you. So God has the land of promise. How many of you are with me? Wave your hand. You're with me? You're hanging in here? God has the land of promise, and all they can do is complain, complain, murmur, murmur. Uh, we wish that we had died back in Egypt. If we had just been, and they forget how bad Egypt was, and God is intervening, uh, you know, on every side, leading them to the land of promise, and they're just complaining the whole way, and God says, you know what? I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of their complaining, so you just let them know what they've been saying is what is actually going to come to pass. They've been talking about it and complaining about it. That's exactly what's going to happen. And it's obvious what plays out here. The very thing that could have become a great blessing to their life is now completely off the table. You know what they've done? And we, we're, we need to be careful or we'll do the same thing. They complained away their blessing. Amen. They complained away their blessing. God said, you know what? I've heard you complain and complain. I've heard what you've complained about, fed up with it. 
And God said, I'm done with it. And so you're going to get exactly what you've been talking about. And they complain their blessings away. Now, if you want to live a miserable life, and I know you don't, but if you wanted to live a miserable life, and if you wanted to cause the people around you to become discontented, which I know you don't, but if you wanted to do that, then seek to become a chronic complainer. And you know what is crazy about complaining? It's like a virus. Sometimes it's contagious. And you, have you ever noticed this at work? You get around and, and people are complaining and complaining and complaining and complaining. And before you know it, you're right in there and you're complaining right along with them. And you may not have anything to complain about, but you've joined the party. Some people, and, and this is, this is it's weird really, but some people, the bonds of their relationship are all centered around complaining. The thing that knits them together, the thing that, that holds them together, the thing that bonds them as a group is they all have this in common. They like to complain. They like to complain. Hey, wouldn't it be ridiculous if I was going through small groups a few moments ago and said, hey, by the way, on Thursday nights at 630, we have a group that focuses on complaining. And if you love to complain, you're going to feel right at home. And you'll say, well, I don't want to be. I wanted the group to meet at 730. See, the life of a complainer is not the life that you want, nor is it the life that I want. I, I've thought about this so many times. When you reach my age, 34, you start having these thoughts. And you, I, I've thought this so many times before. I said, you know, because I've, I've got this wonderful family and, uh, you know, I, I imagine over time that the family will be added to. No pressure on anybody, but I'm just, I imagine on time, in time. And I don't want them to be able to look at me one day, like 60 years from now, and, and say, he's just a complaining, grumpy old man. I don't want to reach a point in my life where I am tolerated by my family rather than enjoyed by my family. Does that make sense? I don't want to reach a point in my life where I am tolerated by my friends rather than my friends enjoy having me around. I never want to become convinced that complaining is normal, that it's not a big deal because it is a big deal and it ought not be normal. So how do we, and in this last stretch of this talk, I want to just quickly mention how do we combat complaining? How do we abandon complaining? If we have already become a complainer, we're like, uh-oh, I need to backtrack on this. How can we be sure that we get away from it? How can we be sure to, that we avoid it? How do we make certain that we, we don't get sucked into it or sucked back into it? And the Bible just happens to be our teacher on this. How do we combat complaining? And I'll walk you through uh, three sections of verses, and it won't take us but just a moment. This is Paul, by the way. Philippians 2.14. A lot of you, if you grew up in church, you're familiar with this verse. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Now, guys, keep that up for just a moment. Look at that again. Look at it right up and just maybe you read it through a time or two in your own mind. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Do everything without complaining or arguing. And, and as you look at that and as you really think about it for a moment, let me just ask you a question. What if you and I got like really, really serious about following God's word? Which we should do, by the way. Would you agree? What if we got really serious about following God's word and we just say, you know what? 
I'm going to stop the complaining. I'm not going to be argumentative. What would happen to you if you and I became serious about God's word? I'll tell you some things that would happen if we just said, you know what? I'm, I'm done. I am done, done, done. I am not going to be a chronic complainer. I'm not going to be argumentative. I'm not going to be picking fights. I'm not going to be nitpicking about everything. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I am done with that. What would happen? Well, I'll tell you what would happen. Our relationships would begin to change for the better. Our family dynamics would change for the better. Our friendships would change for the better. Our relationships would begin to change for the better. And here's my prediction. It would begin to happen quite rapidly. Because what would happen, we would bring a whole new attitude and perspective into our relationships. Our relationships would begin to change for the better. Here's another thing that would happen. Our attitude about our job would vastly improve. It doesn't mean that we've got a perfect job. It doesn't mean that our boss is not a jerk because he may in actuality be a full-fledged, 100% bona fide blue-chip jerk. <laughs> but it's not that that's changed, but our attitude has changed. And our attitude about our job would change. If we just say, I'm just, I'm done. I'm not, I'm so sick of being a complaining and I just get caught up before I know it. I'm standing at the water cooler, so to speak, complaining with everybody else, griping with everybody else. And I'm, I'm just done with that. I don't want to be known to be that way. Our attitude about our job would vastly improve. Our spiritual life would begin to flourish. I really believe that. I also believe that the happiness factor in our own lives would tick upwards. I, you know, and wouldn't it be so much wonderful? And you and I can do this. You're, you're not too far down the road. You're not like, no, mm, it's just my family. My grandparents were like it. My parents uh, were like it. I, I'm like it. I'll probably pass this genetic down to my kids. So I'll pass it down to their kids and I'm just going to pass it on. No, you can break that. You can break that and you can become a different person in that regard. It's funny. Uh, it's funny. It's not funny. Um, I wear contacts. Some of you may or may not know that. And sometimes I forget that I've taken them out. My vision is not that bad. I'm near, a little bit nearsighted. And so like I'll, I'll take my contacts out generally when I get home. And if I'm working on budget stuff or reading, you know, I, I'm, because I'm nearsighted, I, I can see a little bit more clearly. But it's the distance that like at night signs, they're more crisp or if I'm standing away from. So I've, I've I'm a little bit nearsighted, got a light prescription, and I have astigmatism, if you know what that's like. Wow. Uh, Kenley, our granddaughter, who's going to turn six this week, she just had an eye exam, and her mom texted out to our family, hey, does anybody, because they said it's like hereditary, I think she was being serious about it, what she heard. I don't know. We've got an eye doctor that's in here right now. And um, she said, does anybody in the family have astigmatism and is nearsighted. And I waited for the reply. And nobody is replying because if somebody else could have replied, it would have saved me from having to say. And so nobody was responding really. And uh, Audrey, I think you said something. Yeah, I've, I've got a little bit of astigmatism and I'm nearsighted. Sorry, Audrey. I gave that to you too. But finally, I just had to say, yes. That is from me. About three hours later, Nicole, our daughter-in-law, calls. I look down, and I think it's Nicole. I pick it up. It's not Nicole. It's Kinley, who's just been diagnosed with astigmatism and a little bit nearsighted. And this is what I hear her say. Thanks, Papa, for the bad eyes. <laughs> All right. Well, I passed it down to her. I apologize. I told her parents I'd buy her first set of glasses. 
reasonable price of glasses. Well, you know, I'm not going to lose sleep over her having a light prescription in years to come. What would be very disturbing to me if I was such a complainer, argumentative, that I passed that down to my kids who passed it down to their kids who passed it down to their kids. You may say, well, that's just sort of the history. That's how our family's always been. That's my family. Pastor Jeff, I don't know what your family was like, but that's my family. Well, you can stop it with you. But this passage in Philippians chapter 2 is not ended. Let's keep reading. Look at verses 14 and 15, all right? It will only take us a moment. Do everything without complaining or arguing. We saw that. Look, now this, that's, that is the what. Now this is the why. This is the why right here. The what is do everything without complaining. The why is this, so that you may become blameless and pure. It's amazing. It's amazing what Paul could have said would be indicative of your life, would be sort of a litmus test that you are blameless and pure, but he uses if you'll do everything without complaining or arguing, then you're going to become blameless and pure. Children of God. Look at this. Children of God. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. We're beginning to reflect the nature and character and likeness of our Father without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. And so what do we do? The what is we stop complaining. The why is so that we become blameless and pure, that we might give evidence that we really are like our Father in heaven. So by now, you may be thinking, I guess that's what I need to do. I need to watch my mouth. A lot more compliments, a lot more praise, and a lot less of the unending complaints that I've been doing. And the answer to that would be yes and no. And I'll explain. Yes, of course, obviously. If we're just complaining and we're murmuring and we're always argumentative, then yes, we need to watch our mouth and we need to stop that. But it's not that easy, and I'll explain. See, chronic complaining is not an external issue. It's not. And I can't get through the rest of this talk without telling you because you just think, hey, well, I just, you know, watch my mouth, and that's, that's the end of it. It's, it's actually not an external issue it's actually a heart problem. And you're like, what? Mm-mm. Now, you've, now you're taking it too far. You got excited talking about, well, let me show you. This is right out of the scriptures, out of the gospel. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, what you say actually flows from what is in your heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Your mouth is only saying, my mouth is only saying what is already in our heart. Now, we might be able to, you know this, I know this, we might be able to semi-control our mouth for a while, but it's virtually impossible to get our mouth right if our heart is in need of repair. And so maybe our prayer would become, God, would you just repair my damaged heart? And God, if you can heal my heart, if you can repair my heart, because obviously there's something wrong with my heart, because what I'm saying actually is directly connected to what is in my heart. God, if you could repair my heart, and I know you can, then you could help me to be done once and for all with complaining. And so maybe we'd say that, Heavenly Father, help me to become a more grateful, positive, and joyful person. Well, we're just about out of time. And we're going to slip out. Those of you that raised your hand, thank you, by the way, for joining us in baptism. But before we're done, I want you to see the last thing that Paul says. He said, do everything without complaining and arguing. Why? So that you may be blameless and pure. 
so that people may see Jesus in you. But I want you to look. This is the last of it. He said, perhaps my life's blood. This is unique. You're going to say, well, I don't understand what he's saying. And I'll explain briefly. Perhaps my life's blood is to be poured out like an offering on the sacrifice that your faith offers to God. I'm not going to belabor talking about what he meant here. I'll just give you just real quick what he's saying. Perhaps I'm going to lose my life. Perhaps this is it for me. And uh, if that is so, I'm glad and I share my joy with you all. Now, what you need to understand that if anybody could find justification for complaining and just saying, I can't believe I'm, I'm in this situation. When Paul writes this letter, when he writes this letter to the Philippians and a few other letters as well, he's actually writing it from a prison cell. And he's there totally innocent of any wrongdoing whatsoever. And he could have been saying, I can't believe I'm here. I haven't done anything wrong. This is unjust. You're holding me against my will. You have no legitimate charges against me. And he could have complained, 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 complained. But instead he says, wow, this may be the end for me. I may have to pour out my, perhaps my life's blood. Perhaps they're going to execute me. And if that's so, well, I'm glad. I'll share my joy with you all. In the same way, you too, you must be glad and share your joy with me. And Paul's like saying, I don't know what's going to happen to me. Maybe I'll be released, maybe, but perhaps this is the end of the road for me. But if so, if so, I'm not going to go out complaining. You know, he's the same one who said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So if a guy like Paul and you say, well, he's a perfect guy. No, you read his story. He was not a perfect guy. Could say, hey, right here in the middle, I'm being held in a car. I'm being held against my will. I'm being held on bogus charges. They have no reason to have me here. Do everything without complaining or arguing. That you may be blameless and pure. That you may reflect our Father in heaven. So would you today say, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with my complaining. Would you stand for our closing prayer, everybody? God, we humbly ask you to perform heart surgery on each of us because we know that what you said, Jesus, in your word is true. What we say flows from what is in our heart. So God, we just pray that for every person here today that you would heal our heart. We pray that you would help us to be done once and for all with our complaining and help us, Father, in our lives to become more joyful and more grateful. This we ask in your name. And everybody said, Hey, two really, really quick things. Be sure you're back here next Sunday. Now, going out to baptism, thank you for celebrating baptism with us. If you have kids... Go pick up your kids first, and there'll be signs that will park, uh, point you to where baptism is, which is back behind the building. If you don't have kids to pick up, when you exit this theater, turn left, go all the way down to the hall, go out the outside doors, turn to the left. I'll see you out there in just a few moments. God bless you, everybody. Love you.